0: hello and welcome to the binge eating to food freedom podcast with katie papo our mission is to help you permanently end disordered eating binge eating food addiction emotional eating by creating a healthy and peaceful relationship with food we are sharing simple and sustainable strategies to help you do exactly that please subscribe and follow and say hello and if you haven't yet joined my email list That's where I send out my highly detailed writings to help you implement all this even better. I invite you to join my email list now at katiepapo.com. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Binge Eating to Food Freedom. I'm Katie Papo. And today we have a very special episode because I have a very special guest. Britt is joining us today and I'll bring her in in a second, but I just wanted to share with you guys that uh, Britt is somebody who has done this work um, and she's going to come in and share with you what her experience has been in doing this work, her challenges that she's experienced, the wins that she's experienced, how this has evolved for her. And the more you can learn from other people who are going through what you're going through or going through the journey that you're striving for, the more we can learn from each other and the more we can take other people's success and and adopt it as our own and learn from that experience. So Britt was um, my client in... 2020. I think we were just at the start of the pandemic, and I'm going to bring her in now so she can share her experience over these last few years. So welcome, Britt.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for being here. I'm very grateful that you'll be sharing your journey with everybody. Um, and right, we it was right in the middle of the pandemic, like right oh, when it, everything was summer. shut down.
2: And- yeah, the summer of 2020.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's been some time since then. So it's nice to sit down and actually chat with you. Um so of course I know you, but there are people listening. And by the way, guys, I see some of you have already joined live. Uh feel free to write in the comments. Uh, let us know you're here. Hey, Lori. Lori's actually going through our program right now. So um so everything that you've been through, Britt, Lori is going through. <laughs> um, so, so beautiful. I'm happy to see you guys. Thanks for listening. So Britt, for, for those of uh, those listeners who don't know you and who don't know your history and are just seeing you here for the first time, could you share what your f- big food issues were like when they started? Um, how it kind of evolved and was affecting your life to the point, you know, where you really decided this was something that needed to change. Like what was happening between you and food?
2: So as I went through this program and reflected on when some of those behaviors started, I was able to trace it back all the way into childhood and also early adolescence, uh, teenage years. Right. And I grew up uh, in former East Germany and in a small farming town while across the street from us was a bakery. And that became my go-to place when emotions of loneliness were present, of inadequacy were present, um, any way of not feeling, you know, not good enough. I would find some way to find some kind of money to go over there buy some food and use that to soothe myself in that way. Um, That continued also into adulthood. And, you know, at this point, I am not a teenager anymore, obviously. But uh, yeah, I had noticed how food became that go-to to fill spaces that weren't full from an emotional space. And that also affected my relationship because then shame and guilt came in and that became the topic for my spouse and myself to talk about, which then caused that cycle of, of course, he was the supporting one and he would also be the understanding one. But that became like a space where I found my acceptance and that was not how I wanted to live my relationship or my life.
1: Hmm. So if we were to look at because it sounds like for you, it really, it was more of an emotional place that it started. Mm-hmm. That it yeah. wasn't necessarily, it didn't necessarily start from a place of restriction. It actually started from a place of filling some emptiness or filling some void, Yeah, which I know a lot of people can relate to, that emotional. Mm-hmm. I had that too. Um, so at a certain point, you whether it was in your younger years, but you at some point realized like this is becoming a problem. Mm -hmm. And then you did shift into some of those more restriction based. So how did that then affect or complicate in any way your eating issues since they had started from that place of the emotional, Mm -hmm. then it started uh, compounding. How did that, how did that
2: progress? So the, um, the results of that, you know, using food to to um, fill that void um, created a little bit excess weight in the body as a young boy, a child or a teenager already, and then um, family members started to make fun of the body. While well, at that time I identified with the body, that was me. That's was who I was, and um, thinking that if I could. Put the body into a shape to create certain acceptance and being loved for how I looked. Started many cycles of different diets down to fasting and lemonade fasts. And no matter how low the weight dropped, and it dropped pretty low, um, it was never good enough. It was never enough. And so, of course, then, you know, once you stopped a fast or a diet, old eating habits came back in, the weight went up again, the body looked a certain way again, and that just was the devil's cycle over and over and over again. How long did that go on? Mm, pretty much since we started working together two years ago. Yeah.
1: So that was a couple decades, a few decades? Yeah. Good, good, yeah. So really, what we're talking it about? Here, for decades, yeah. So this was really your whole life mm-hmm. from childhood that there yes. was some issue with food, whether it was emotional mm-hmm. or coming back from restriction, or that that going back and forth between restriction, binging. Did you feel like for you that you um, did you? Because I know that for a lot of people, we think. Uh, oftentimes the weight is the problem, which is where it seems like it started for you as a kid, Mm -hmm. right? Because people were making fun. Mm -hmm. And now you're less associated with the body. I can hear it from the way that you're talking, saying the body instead of me, right? And Mm -hmm. that's the thing that that's important to understand is that we are not our bodies. Um, Our bodies are vehicles for us. But um, what I'm wondering is, okay, so you were you came into this with, with this issue thinking weight was the problem. Mm -hmm. Was there a shift at some point where you realized like weight is not the problem. There's something deeper. Like, was there any kind of
2: shift that happened for you? Um, I had already, I think part of the understanding that it was not just the relationship to the body, but also the relationship to food. How I used food, so to speak, of right, and you know, there was a period in my life where, um, as I would have intense days at work, there might have been that typical glass of alcohol at the end of the workday, and that didn't last long. It became food again, right? So just, but but being um, in the awareness that food was a way to fill something, to to look for something, to find something that I could fill that emotional emptiness or these fear-based emotions that led me to eating when the body didn't need food.
1: So when did you decide that the diets were no longer the path for you since you had tried Gosh, so many things in terms, like you mentioned, different kinds of fasting, different kinds of diets, different kinds of weight loss programs.
2: Mm-hmm. At
1: what point did you decide that this is not the, the path that's going to lead me where I want to go?
2: Well, as you know, um, I'm also participating in another self mastery program, right? Called our Matrix Systems. And within that program, I did create that awareness of it is I, it's the me. The personality that is um, that is trying to fill whatever is not there currently on an emotional basis, and then I started to look at food as I mean I had also done a lot of studies of studying Ayurveda or studying other philosophies and that idea of let food be thy medicine and medicine thy food, right? So there were a lot of already very whole foods and healthy foods in my diet. So then I decided, well, what if that became part of what I ate? Yet it still would be, become part of the binges, right? Yet I didn't have the cookies or the, you know, what other people call un- unhealthy foods, but there was still an and binge happening. And so... When I talked also to a friend of mine who had begun the program with you, and he, she's also with me in the other uh, 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 self uh, personal development program, that became very interesting to me to have mentors as a support along the way, right? So that was when I when she shared some of the things she was doing with you, I became curious to see well. Because on my own, I hadn't found yet the way of how these diets, yes, I stopped dieting, but I hadn't found a way of of how to eat in a way that supports the body.
1: Yeah. I think that's such a great distinction that a lot of people can relate to because, and I found the same thing. It's not that um, I was completely opposed to healthy food. I wanted to be Mm -hmm. healthy. And I think a lot of people who binge actually have that really strong desire to be healthy, and um, but once we get off the dieting, if it, if the eating issues don't go away, then it's like, well, what next? Mm-hmm. I know kind of what I want it to look like on the other side, but it's a very different thing to actually implement and get there and have these shifts where, oh, the urge to binge isn't there anymore.
2: Mhm.
1: Or the urge to diet isn't there anymore for some people. So so okay, so you chose to work with us. <laughs> not much of a spoiler there. Um was that a hard decision for you?
2: Yes and no. Um the yeses were of course the monetary part of it. I had, you know, not allowed myself to opt in for a program like that. And then there was also, as we know, with Binging Comes to Shame and the, you know, isolations and the fear of being exposed, right? So when I had those first phone calls also with Shahar, uh, my friend had told me a lot of working with you. And I had that, that sensation of, I felt safe with you, right? And when I at first was talking with Shahar, uh, there was a trigger for me. But what I was able to see, too, was how the male figures in my life were the ones that were the ones making fun of the body, right? And so when I started to work with you guys and having this absolute sense of acceptance and being valued, and no matter who I was and what I did, you were there for me. Right. So and I also had a conversation, you know, with my husband, if he was okay um, that I would opt in. And he has been a supporter and a cheerleader along the sidelines, you know, as long as we have been together for the last 24 years. So, yeah, but that was one of the best decisions ever, for sure. Mm. So when you
1: first started, what do you what would you say your first you know, little wins were that you started noticing where you started seeing some progress, because I know a lot of times in when we hear kind of like success stories or before and Mm -hmm. afters, it's like Mm -hmm. we just skip to the to the to the dream and the bliss Mm -hmm. after. But a lot of times we don't look back on the journey and see like, what were those little steps? So when you first started, like, what were some of those little Moments or those little wins that you could see that showed you, I'm making progress?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, when practices that we did became like these normals, like even breathing before you take your first bite, right? It's just sitting there and looking at your food and being present with it. Rather than sitting down and starting to shuffle or, you know, starting to eat and inhale your food. Um, Being able also to go to gatherings with friends and not going there to eat, being present with the people, connecting with people on a different level. Um, And that was not a small win, but you have heard me, you know, share that part before leaving food on my plate was like, holy, how is that possible? And I remember that weird, weird feeling the first time of like, well, here the body is saying it had enough. And then leaving food on my plate because I was trained, you finish what's on your plate, right? There was a pressure off, you have to clean your plate. Just because of how my parents were raised, but that was huge for me. Leave, you know, and in the past, if I had guests, that triggered me. It was like, what do you mean you're not finishing your food? What do you mean we're throwing food away? Right? Food was more valuable than my optimal health and well being. Shifting that part, seeing food as there is abundance, it's always available, you can have it, or also any amount, that principle of any amount, it didn't have to be perfect, letting go of that perfectionism was so freeing. Yeah. And also seeing that if if you're a perfectionist, you look for everything that's wrong, or anything that's wrong, and you can't see where you're succeeding, right? So those were definitely milestones that were big and small at the same time. And some of them have become part of my being. And when I forget, you know, I'll pull out my book again. Or in these moments of like when the mind does want to reach for food, or even if it happens, just being there and being the observer and knowing, hey, you're not a bad person. This is an experience you're having. And it's okay. And you are the one who can do something about it. Of course, you have the tools. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, gosh, there's a few things you said there that I would love to go a little bit deeper in. Lori, by the way, just commented. She said, yes, leaving food was a complete surprise for me, too, and it happened without trying. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, is it happens without trying. Like, these are Mm -hmm. the side effects. Um, Whereas I know in the past, with binging especially, it's like, if – I were to leave food on the plate, it was because I had to use all my might to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So one thing that you had mentioned was um, the perfectionist mentality. Mm -hmm. And while I know that not everyone would identify as a perfectionist, one aspect of that that I see across the board with most people identifying with is the all or nothing mentality. Mm -hmm. And it comes up in binges because we'll say things like, oh, well, tomorrow I'm starting my diet. So better eat it all now. (laughs) So it's it's that combination of all or nothing, but it's also like you said, it's that place of scarcity compared to the abundance mentality of knowing I can have this whenever, wherever. So how did that, because I know that it's not, you know, breaking lifelong patterns like that. Right. What was the process? Because I know a lot of people fear that they've thought like that for so long. They've had that all or nothing mentality for so long or that perfectionist mentality, or they've had that scarcity for so long around food because of all of the dieting that they think I can't even imagine not having that. Mm -hmm. So what was it for you? Because you we're able to relate to those same exact things. So what was it for you that allowed you to keep progressing
2: as you kept going through? Um, as, as I just said a second ago, that principle of any amount, that was big, as in this doesn't have to be perfect. It's progress, not perfection. That was a little mantra that became part of my being. Hey, progress, not perfection. And as you, you know, mentioned the mind, the way of thinking, there was another pivoting point for me of letting go of identification with thoughts and the mind, which for me was, I was trained if you said something that you would do something, you would follow through that was being accountable, responsible. Right. And, um, so when i when I caught myself, or when I observed myself in a binge and I would take certain amounts of food out and put them on the counter or wherever, now I thought I have to eat those because out of this idea of integrity, because I said I would. Understanding the mind just thought that. And the first time putting that stuff back, when the observation was there, hey, a, the body's not hungry. Mm-hmm. B, this is not what you want to do. And putting that food back, that was a huge um, sense. That, that's what when I sell her. oh, that's what freedom feels like. I can readdress, I can rethink, I can change my action with what I want to create, with what that final vision, that outcome is that I want to create. So that letting go of these thoughts, not identifying with them as those are not who I am and knowing that I can direct a mind, the I can direct a mind.
1: Beautiful. So for you, the freedom was coming. It wasn't like you woke up one day and, oh, I'm free now. Freedom was something that deepened for you over time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a, a progression. It was a process, and it still is, right? It's like just because the program is over doesn't mean I'm done with this journey.
1: How have you continued to progress or deepen your freedom since then, since the program ended?
2: Um. Some of it is the mindfulness that we created when I noticed it's not there, like sitting down to eat became a big part. If I notice, oh, you're standing in the kitchen, you're at the counter, why are you eating, right? And we have, I know in the program we say, um, sometimes you and Shahar even do that, but am I mindful when I do it or is it a mindless way of eating to stuff something? coming back to certain principles. Um, whenever you send out, hey, a grad call is coming, I if, if I have space in my schedule, I will be there just because that support, that continuous support reminds me of what we have learned, right? And yet becoming independent, we not dependent on you guys, but ha- knowing that support is there. And sometimes I pull out my book and I'm like, oh, what's going on or reading other people's uh, wins, right? When I see it on Facebook, it's like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I remember that when that happened, right? So tapping back in and making it a lifestyle rather than a program of 12 weeks or however long that was. Right? So
1: how is your relationship with food now? You gave you gave some some insight into that, how it's an ongoing journey and when you feel like um, you can use a refresher, you're being resourceful and Mm -hmm. you're pulling out your books and you're pulling out your notes and you're drawing from other people and the support that you know is there for you. So what now, if you were to kind of zoom out and look at how this has evolved, what would you say are the things in your relationship with food that you're the most grateful for now?
2: Um that I can enjoy foods that are not on the healthy list, but I can have it and fully enjoy the taste and the bites and not needing a huge amount of it. But at the same time, also super enjoying and loving food that's on my plate that I know will truly nourish the body and support a vibrant vitality and shows Seeing, you know, seeing it for what it is. It is food, seeing the vibrancy, you know, checking in with it, being grateful for it, and not seeing it as the enemy. Right? It's like, hey, it it is food. That's that's it. It's food. It's not the thing that is a threat to me. Right. And it's also you know fascinating when I go up to the grocery store and I look at certain things, I'm like, hmm, do I really want this? Right? Would this would this actually serve or coming back also to truly taste it? Truly tasting food? That was an exercise, I don't know, was that week three or four, you know, those food experiments. I'm like, some of the stuff that we think we like, if you truly start to taste it, it's like it doesn't even taste good. Unless you put a lot of other stuff on top or under it. And yet we thought it fills a space. So being able to say, no, thank you, right? Just that, oh, it's okay. I don't want it. So those moments of, of freedom and of space and separation, so to speak, to speak of, and then also seeing. Like one of, the, one of the episodes or um, videos that I watched that had a big impact for me too, and that was back also with the all or nothing and the perfectionist mentality. When binges did occur, in one of the videos you talked about Shahar and his spar again situation, when he was overpowered, when he sparred in his martial arts training, seeing it as an opportunity of growth, right? Seeing, hey, let me, let me, let me learn from this where in the past it was like, oh, you failed. Oh, you screwed it up again, right? And this time it was more like, oh, well, that's an interesting idea. So seeing when the situation wants to build up, right? There might be anxiety present or there is fear of the unknown or whatever moment came to that point of a possible binge or a binge. The next time that occurs, hey, I'm ready for it. I can see it coming and I can shift it actually. I can sit down and breathe or have a glass of water or even just sometimes talk out to myself, loud, right? As in, okay, what's going on? And and, and stepping back and, and creating that space between myself and the food as a need to fill a space so definitely much more freedom than it was in the past is it perfect absolutely not but that's okay too (laughs) more room to grow
1: (laughs) beautiful and and i i want to clarify you know for people who are listening because you've shared a bunch of the tools that have been helpful for you Mm -hmm. and i know that with that um with that all or nothing mind sometimes we'll look at that and we'll say, oh, okay. So Brit says that she, you know, sat down when she was eating. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it a rule now that I need to sit down and and I'm going to make it a rule now that I need to breathe and I'm going to make, and I want to clarify for everyone that, um, that when we, when we use tools, it's not that we're doing, we're using them blindly or that we're, um, treating them as rules or as things to try to stop binges rather what we're doing is using them as ways to become more conscious around your patterns Mm -hmm. and to break apart the patterns so that you can instead of it going into this mindless impulsive uh compulsive spiral Mm -hmm. you can actually pinpoint that there are there are, are points along that path Where you can pause, and become conscious and understand what's happening and make a make a choice, and that's essentially you're using these tools to become conscious and make choices um, from that mindset of abundance, from that mindset. So, um, I just wanted to clarify that for everybody listening that this is about um, this is not about doing exactly what Brit did or the specific tools that helped her the most. This is about your own journey also of becoming conscious and breaking apart these patterns and rewiring your own mind because we all have these different patterns that come up, um, whether it's the all or nothing or not being able to focus on our progress or, or any of those things. So I wanted to ask you, Britt, I wanted to give, if you could maybe give two pieces of advice Uh, The first piece of advice is for people who are in the early phases of this journey. I have a group of 10 people right now who are going to be listening to this. So I was hoping that first you might be able to give them a piece of advice and then also maybe to someone who hasn't started this journey yet or who maybe is still in those depths of struggling Mm -hmm. with food, um, who might feel hopeless, who might feel like there's no way out. Um, So I was hoping maybe you could give a little piece of advice for each group.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking about the beginning, giving myself permission to do this. I am worthy of this. And seeing it not as just another thing to do to solve a problem, but uh, seeing it as an opportunity to change a lifestyle, a way of being. And early on, what I thought was brilliant with this program was writing your daily wins. That is huge. Seeing three things a day that went well, where you, and sometimes they might be teeny tiny, small little things, it's the compounding effect of them. And over those 12 weeks, what, times seven days, you know, and the hours that you count, that's a compounding effect. And I happen for myself to just start a document where I wrote them out first before I posted them. Going back to that document sometimes is like, wow, I did all of that. Or those were wins then. That's so normal now, right? So those I would definitely highly recommend of, of Opt in for no matter what time of day it is throughout the day at the end of the day and even if it's the next morning reflecting back on the last day. That that was big and um, yes, not if you have if you are not in the program yet, don't look for this as a quick fix but see it as a lifestyle to opt in for. Beautiful, thank you, Brett. You are so
1: welcome. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I always feel so calm with you. (laughs) You You have a very calm energy. And I'm so happy to see so much more of this comes through. And I know that for you and for me and for everybody, I know that when we're no longer struggling with food, we can show up as more of ourselves. Yeah our real selves. And um, I love seeing your real self come through. So thank you
2: so much for being here today. I appreciate you giving your time to all of us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure being here, Katie, as always. Looking forward to the grad call next week. Yes, me too.
1: All right, guys. So that's for that's it for today. So thank you all for being here. Uh, I currently have a few spots open for the Rewired Eating Program, which you're most welcome to reach out to me about. I have a short application process. You can find the application on my website or reach out for one. We'll make sure that's right fit for you. Uh, this is really for people who are Ready, like Britt said, to change your way of being around food, to change your relationship with it, to change the way you think about it, to change your entire relationship with food and yourself in in this way where you can really live a life true to yourself, um, feeling free from the compulsion, feeling free from the obsession. That's what this is all about. It's about ending your eating disorder permanently so you can be more you. So, um, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next
0: week. Well done showing up for yourself and tuning into another episode. The best way to help yourself change is repetition. So take a moment now to write down your biggest takeaway from this episode in the comments. Also, please subscribe and follow for more. And if you haven't yet, join my email list. That's where I share my highly detailed writings on how to make your food freedom journey even faster and simpler. Go to katiepapo.com to join my email list now. And finally, if you're considering working with us privately, details for our 12-week intensive program can be found at katiepapo.com. Feel free to reach out to us directly with your questions. Keep showing up for yourself, be kind to yourself and others, and I hope to see you for the next episode.